Lonely Monk Productions. I don't know if y'all finished watching Ms. Marvel on Disney Plus yet, but yo! That's my joy! That's my joy! What's good, friends and family, neighbors near and far? Welcome to an all-new episode of the Yo, That's My John podcast. The podcast, website, brand, movement, way of life dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I am your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. John Cruck, a.k.a. Jonathan Byers, a.k.a. Nate Bush, who's been running up that hill. Why? To make a deal with God, a.k.a. Nate 3. Back at it again with yet another episode of the podcast. As always, I hope this podcast finds you all in good health and in good spirits. On today's show, I sit down with Katie Rose Donahue Enriquez to talk about her new one-woman show, Queen of Fishtown, and so much more. It is a fantastically robust conversation, and that's coming up in a bit here. But first, some quick important updates that I need to share with you about the podcast. First, the mailing list is now live. If you are not signed up yet, make sure you visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com and you sign up for that bad boy immediately. The link to sign up will also be included in the show notes. We'll be sending out not just emails about our upcoming shows, but also some behind-the-scenes dealings and what-have-yous. This is the best and easiest way to stay up-to-date on all the goings-on with the Yo! That's My John brand and the Yo! That's My John podcast, delivered straight to your mailbox. You don't have to do anything but sign up and sit back and be spoon-fed all of this John-tastic content straight to your face. Second, a scheduling note. I have so many great interviews banked and recorded right now to share with you that for the next few weeks, we're going to take the podcast to a weekly format. That's right, gang. Instead of taking next week off, you will receive a brand new episode in your podcast feed. That is, well, if you are subscribed, which, of course, you should be. But if you're not, no worries. You can do that right now. Like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on all the socials at Yo That's My John. Sign up for that mailing list and prepare yourself to be entertained. Do it to it! All right, coming up, my conversation with Katie Rose Donahue Enriquez. My guest today is an actor, writer, director, producer, and a dog walker. A native of the Philadelphia area, she moved to Los Angeles and began studying at the Groundlings, where she was invited to join the legendary Groundlings Sunday Company, which writes and performs a brand new sketch show every week. She has appeared in guest spots on shows such as How I Met Your Mother, Two Broke Girls, and The Comeback, just to name a few. She is currently touring with her one-woman show, Queen of Fishtown, a character comedy set in Philadelphia about one woman's struggle to maintain her authenticity while facing inevitable change. Folks, it is my honor to welcome to the show, Katie Donahue Enriquez. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by the great Katie Rose Donahue Enriquez. How are you doing? Thank you for joining me today on Yo, That's oh. My John. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I do my research and stuff like that, and I look into people's stuff and all, and I, and I have to bring up something that's very exciting to me because it changes my Kevin Bacon points almost, except for not Kevin Bacon. Um, you okay. were you got to do you got to work with somebody um, who um, has brought me so much incredible joy. And I say this unironically, and it should jump out to you as we just had a conversation about puppets. Oh. But um, you got to work with Maxwell the pig. I am like, I am in awe of Maxwell the pig. All right. It was like the very first time, the very first one with him uh, weeing all the way home. Out the window. Yes. This is the Geico pig. Yeah. 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 Um, So when I I saw that uh, in your, in your reel, I was just like, oh my God, you got to work with the legendary Maxwell. It was so bizarre that like, that's the one thing that like. Yeah. Um, well, I hate to tell you, but he's a real monster uh, <laughs> offset. Yeah, you know, when he's um, never meet real your diva. idols. Never meet your idols. <laughs> no, no. He, yeah, uh, there's five puppeteers that wow that, uh, up at uh, Maxwell. Yeah, and you know, here's an interesting little thing. They put Vaseline on his nose all the, throughout the shoot to make sure that he looks wet. That is that crazy. Looks- isn't that funny? That's so awesome. And he's really cute. There, yeah, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. So it was a Geico commercial I did years ago, but it's a good one. And then they had like a competition a few years ago for like the best, most favorite Geico spots, and like Hump Day was in there. Of and course. All you know, the talking money and all those things, and and. Maxwell didn't win, which I was like, that's messed up. It was a fix. The <laughs> fix. The fix was in. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's awesome so uh tell all these good people listening at home a little bit about yourself Uh, where did you where were you born well hello i'm katie rose donahue enriquez um i was born in uh in woodbury new jersey at underwood hospital um (laughs) i grew up uh for the first part of my life in clayton new jersey Um, which is right next to Glassboro and Rowan, which was Glassboro Center for the Arts when I was growing up, uh, where they had Glassboro State College had Glassboro Center for the Arts there. Um, So I'm aging myself a little bit. Um, And then we moved to Woodstown and Alloway, and I went to college at Ryder University in Lawrenceville, right across the river. Um, But my whole family is from Philadelphia for generations and generations, um, came over from Ireland and a little bit, a little bit of Scotland. And um, yeah. And so I'm from, uh, I'm from the Philly part of Jersey. That's what I tell people. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. That's the best way to describe it too. Um, yeah. So, so uh, you, you, what, what were your, what were your parents like? Were they, were they creative at all? Or uh, did... both of my parents are retired public school teachers. Oh, nice. um, yes. They both, um, they just celebrated 50 years of marriage. So congratulations to Eleanor and Phil Donahue. Um, and they were there. Uh, my, my mom taught public school at Bridgeton um, and elementary. And then my dad taught at uh, Bartram for about 25 years. And then Gerard Academy music program or GAMP in center city, Philly um, for the end of his uh, for like the last decade of his career. Um, 
Uh, yeah. So, but they, it's interesting you ask about them because they are kind of instrumental in me becoming a creative. Um, and I think it was accidental. Uh, they just wanted us to be able to participate in things. And so they were always signing up to be like the uh, counselors and uh, they picked the bingo numbers so that there was reduced, you know, to wish to do whatever, you know, and they, um, they were the counselors at Bobby Clark's day camp where me and my brother and sister went for many years as uh, day campers and they worked there so that we got to go to the camp. And then they were ushers at the Glassboro center for the arts. And for every two shows they ushered, they got a free ticket, but there were two of them. So every show they were getting a free ticket. So they would just bring me along. And I, I was able to see so many amazing um, performances and the national tours of some Broadway shows came through and things like that. So, um, and, and it was at a Glassboro center for the arts show that I realized I wanted to be an actor and they were picking up programs and what's wrong, Katie. And they came up and I said, this is what I want to do. It was after the show was over. I said, okay, okay. You don't have to cry about it. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. What, um, can you, do you remember what show it was? It was Oliver. Yeah. yeah. The kids were about my age and, um, I knew this, this, the stage, I can't think of the name of that, um, the arts center right now. I don't even know if it's still called that anyway. But we used to do, I went to Dancing by Denise and Clayton um, for dance class. And then I did some Nutcracker with the Ballet South. I don't, I, I think Ballet South still exists, but so I had done the Nutcracker there. We had done some dance recitals there. So I knew the space um, really well. And during the intermission, I snuck backstage and I like hid in between the giant rolling like costume trunks and all the kids were about my age. So they're running around and nobody was really noticing. And then all of a sudden someone saw me and I hightailed it back and watched the second act. Um, but that was when, that's when I got bit by the bug. There was something magical about those big rolling trunks. And, you know, it's interesting. I've never done a touring show, but <laughs> I'm about to right now, but it's all by myself. But uh, well, my husband's coming, but um, yeah, that, that was the show Oliver, which I don't have like a great love for Oliver or anything like that. But, um, I think it was just cause the kids were my age and it felt, you know, so maybe I just wanted to be a child actor. Yeah. Listen, this is something I need to bring to the therapist. That's I was, you know what I, mean? I was just going to say, Oh, I think we unlocked something here, Ooh, uh, <laughs> but no, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like a very cinematic origin story, like the sneaking backstage and stuff like that. Um, so, it, you know, not that it's, it, it, it was tied to it or any love affair with Oliver. Did you ever get to perform in a, a performance of Oliver? <laughs> I've never been in a performance of Oliver. Yeah. I know. Goals. Maybe this is something I need to put on. Yeah. Goals. <laughs> Hashtag goals. For sure. <laughs> um, I don't know if my singing voice would necessarily, but one of those charactery parts I could do for sure. Yeah. Like one of the real evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's weird. Like um, uh, I told this on uh, an episode a while back, but like I, I as a kid, I, I was in love with musical theater. Like I've always loved musicals and like Oliver, the the film was was like one of those ones where I was just like, and I think it's the same thing, like because you see kids, you're just like, oh my god, wait a minute, I I I can cool. I, I get to do this, like you know, yeah. like you know, I could. Oh, that's so sweet. I yeah. love that we have this connection. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I bet I bet there's way more than that. Way more than that. 
Um, but um, we're so, just getting started. That's exactly right. So, so once you got that bug, like, um, did you start uh, like auditioning for school stuff or? Oh yes. Well, I think I had done a few. So uh, the Center for the Arts would have the Missoula Children's Theater come through. And I think they are still a fully operating thing. It's not a Missoula, Montana, but they, it's like two people and they travel to all these different, basically art performing art centers around the country. And they show up on Sunday and the kids can audition. And then on Friday or Saturday, they do the show. And it's a children's production of Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast or something like that. And it would be in that week, you would do it. And of course, it's like the end of the week. He's like, these are the greatest people I've ever met. These are going to be my best friends. And then you don't see them again until the next time the Missoula Children's Theater comes to town. So I had done that a little bit. And I, I think that's when I found out I was funny. Because um, a lot of the children's shows have those big laughs, big character kind of things. Um, and... Yeah, I was just in dance classes and I told my parents, I'm very, very serious about this. And they said, okay, you will continue to be a normal kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> they were not driving me to the city to, to audition for anything. It was, you know, it was just my passion. And, and I focused on that. I went to, I did end up going to the governor's school of New Jersey for acting which I don't think exists anymore. And then I went to Ryder University on a full tuition scholarship for acting, which I don't think that scholarship exists anymore. And the Center for the Arts at Glassboro doesn't exist anymore. So if anybody wanted to really follow my path, it just, it's not a possibility. And that's really sad. Um, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I, I tend to do that. So does the character in my show. Um, but yeah. So then I went to undergrad at Ryder. And at the end of that, I wasn't sure, do I move to the city? Do I just start, you know, do I flip burgers and go to auditions? And um, one of my, my ballet teachers suggested I audition for graduate schools. And so I said, well, if I'm going to do it, I'll only try out for the, the best ones ever. And I ended up getting into the American Repertory Theaters Institute at Harvard and the Moscow Art Theater. And so I lived in Russia for a little while and that was part of my master's program. Yeah. So I've just been on this. And I think too, because my parents were educators that it was like, okay, if that's what you want to do, you have to get the education for it. And so I just school, school, school. And then once I graduated, I lived in New York very briefly. I took a level one at UCB, which had was still pretty new. And then um, I booked my first equity show at Bristol Riverside Theater right outside of Philadelphia and my first film in Philly. And it was like super low budget. I did my own costumes, hair, makeup, continuity, <laughs> everything. Um, and I said, I'm going to move to LA. I'm going to go give it a shot. And that was 15 years ago. When I got here, I started at the Groundlings, which is, uh, it's like, Maybe the Growling is about 45 years old now. It's the premier improv and sketch comedy um, theater um, in the United States, at least. Uh, it, it kind of a breeding ground for Saturday Night Live and um, Mad TV when it was on and um, all the sitcoms and all the commercials and <laughs> uh, anything funny. Uh, and I was in their Sunday company for a little while where you write 
um, a brand new show every week. So you come in on Wednesday. So very Saturday Night Live-esque. And I did that for a year and was in their Sunday company for a year. Um, and so after that, I was like, I think I'm done taking classes. Um, <laughs> the Sunday company wasn't classes. That was a, that was sure. performing, but, um, but I, after that, I was like, okay, you ha- you've built a strong tool belt. Let's see if we can put it to work. Um, and since then just auditioning and doing, you know, little bits on TV and commercials with Maxwell and, um, and a lot of uh, live stuff here, a lot of comedy sketch. And I did try stand up a little bit, did, did five minutes at the comedy store and I did all right. I just didn't really like it that much. No, but no, I've hosted. I like hosting a night of, of, of up a little bit more than getting up and doing my set. I that, that wasn't for me, but um, but I'm glad I tried it and, um, yeah. And, and yeah, I don't know. I've really just talked forever. So <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. Um, you know, you were talking about, uh, kind of writing, uh, shows at the, the, the Sunday, uh, for the, the, uh, at the Groundlings. Groundlings. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, was, was writing a thing, um, for you the whole time? Like, cause you know, obviously you, you know, you've written this show you've written, you know, um, I, I got to, uh, check out deal breaker, um, which oh. was phenomenal. <laughs> Absolutely. Phenomenal. Oh, thanks. I loved it. Oh, really? Oh, thank you. Oh, good. Yeah, um, that was just a funny little bit thing. But yeah, that's a fun film we made. The Media Film Festival had us, and that was like 2011 or 2012 or something like that. And we won the Audience Award, which was, that was fun. It's a short little film. Anybody can look it up. It's online. Deal breaker. Um, well, thanks for watching that. Yeah, it was Writing. Yes, I was, I... The Missoula Children's Theater has like a summer camp that you have to be invited to. And then you can, you have to audition. And they said you had to do a monologue. And I was like 13 or 14. I didn't really know what that was. And so I wrote my own and I wrote the Wicked Witch of the West and her side of the story. And this was in 96. Was so, one of these people uh, uh, Gregory McDonald? Did he steal your <laughs> steal your whole thing? Because it's possible. I don't know. I mean, what I wrote is not wicked in any <laughs> okay. way. I just wrote like her. Basically, she's going to take Dorothy to court, and she's like this woman. Yeah, and I did basically an impression of the Wicked Witch of the West from the movie. Which, yeah, I was like after the courtroom. I don't remember. <laughs> um, so I wrote that and uh, I, and then in high school, I wrote a few little things here and there, little um, sketches. I did this whole, I wrote a whole, I didn't realize I was writing a sketch at the time, but I wrote this sketch that was about like the Eggman and the walrus and uh, yeah. And uh, I don't remember totally, but that was the beginning of writing. And then in college i was did a lot of plays that I, so i was more focused on that but then um i did a lot of improv in college and the improv shows were really um popular rider and we hadn't done and no one had ever, ever done a sketch show and i had gone to chicago and saw the second city and i came back and i said we're going to do a sketch show and whoever wants to be in it can be in it and we're going to write it and we'll you know put it up. And I think Ryder still does the sketch show that I came up with, which is very fun. I love that. That's awesome. And I just, I emailed the, I emailed the president of the university 
And I said, hi, I'm going to make a sketch show. Do you want to come host it like Saturday Night Live? And he said, yes, which today I think about that. And I go, boy, did I have some balls, man. You took a shot there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. And I've kind of been, I recently discovered this quote from Oprah, who I consider the queen of America. And she said, you get in life what you have the courage to ask for. And so I've been trying to like apply that to the queen of fish town and what's to come. Um, but now, now I'm looking back on my 22 year old, so 21 year old self who was just like, yeah, whatever. That's great. That's yeah. great. The, that <laughs> the world has so- taught me to not be so brave, but I'm reteaching myself. You know, it, it find it, refinding that kind of uh, childlike wonder of just like why not um, is kind of something I've been doing myself with this podcast. And like, um, like, look, Sylvester Stallone isn't going to come on my show, but I'll tell you what: his publicist gave me the nicest um, rejection letter that I've ever received. No. You know, uh, did but- you read it? Did you read it on the air? No, maybe I will. Maybe I should. Yes. It's it's really nice, yes. but they're like they're like congratulations on your successes and da, 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 da. and I was just like like because normally I just get back like uh, sorry so and so is not available you know like because people have time but this yeah. was like a long letter of like you know it, we'll we'll think I about you in it. the future yeah man it was really great I, I really appreciated that um, it's so great when that happens <laughs> it is it is it, and it's so it's it takes so little time to do too right so like you know it, <laughs> but it means so much you know and it's one of the things I like to keep in the back of my mind you know. Like just, you know, always, always remember that, but like reconnecting to that, that kind of, um, the, 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 in my, in my case, the balls that I used to have, you know, like, uh, uh, so to speak, I think maybe you still have, I mean, I don't know your story, but like, (laughs) (laughs) um, but no, um, what, you know, so I, I, I keep coming back to this, but I'm, I mean, I mean, uh, also I told you that I, I love Sesame Street, but the, my second love was uh, Saturday Night Live. So like, uh, my, my love of the, of just sketch and, um, you know, the history of that show and the history of improv and sketch comedy in the U S is huge to me. So like the groundlings thing is enormous to me. What, what, what was what was the uh, what was the audition process like for for kind of getting into the Sunday Company or? Oh well, the Sunday com- you have to be invited into the Sunday Company after you finish the Groundlings program. Okay. You have to audition. You have to audition for their program, and it takes years to do the program. And my young twenty something self was like, "Oh well, I'll be I'll be long gone before they call my name." Here I am, eleven years after I was in the company. So yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, to be young and, and naive and, and oh boy, uh, gumption, uh, the, the program itself is great. I, you know, it's very similar to other improv programs. I think the reason I wanted to do the groundlings is specifically it's character based. Yeah. So, um, cause I had done a UCB in New York. Now I would say to anyone that wants to be an improviser, do all the classes at all the places. Uh, it's just gets expensive. And I didn't have the money to be doing that. Um, but um, UCB to me was uh, uh, normal people, regular people in extraordinary circumstances. So it would be like two, we would just be talking us, but we'd be on the moon. And so then you come up with, you're kind of coming up with these uh jokes and and beats that you'll return to throughout the improv but you're kind of yourselves in the improv and at groundlings it's 
extraordinary people in very normal circumstances. So you have these crazy kind of characters who are just trying to get their coffee at Starbucks or check out at Target. I mean, Kristen Wiig and is a was a groundling, you know, that kind of thing. So you see these these enormous characters who are just trying to get a mundane thing done, but it's funny to watch them do that. So I think both are important. Um, and, but that was why I picked the groundlings. Um, and the program is great. It's, you know, yes. And, and don't say no, and don't ask questions and the basic rules of improv. And, um, but then eventually once you get through all of the improv and you pass the advanced improv, then you start writing and you start creating characters and writing for the characters. And, uh, and then you start writing sketches. And so you start usually with like monologues and writing monologues. And then eventually you have to churn out six to nine in a week, you know, (laughs) and you just try to come up with ideas and you don't know, you throw the spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks. It's unbelievable. You know, it's 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 fascinating, you know, what you just broke down about um kind of the different approaches because it is like a very like uh uh one's kind of I don't want to say reactionary, but it's you know the the you know the external and one is more internal. And I I, I think you know I I it, it seems like you are are more an internal person and and uh, that's exactly kind of where what I kind of gravitate to um, is that, you know, more character based instead of setting based. But um, uh, that's, that's it. Like I said, absolutely uh, boggles my mind to that, that you can create that many kind of sketches in such short time and then just kind of throw it out. And it's next week. We got to do it again. Like that, that has always like um, excited me. Um, I think it's some of the best, I think being in the Sunday company is probably the best training anyone could get for any career in entertainment because nothing can be precious, nothing. So it's like, Oh, the jokes didn't work or they did work. They worked, but you can't do them this week. Oh, well, you know, just having to, it's okay. Whatever it is, we can figure it out. And, oh, it turns out I have to know that I have to be memorized in a day, you know, in in three hours for this thing. And I will be. And so you get to a place where you really learn how capable you are and how, I don't know, because I think some people, they work on the same short film for 15 years and not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. I think that that, you know, that's a, that's a certain kind of artist. I don't, I definitely have some kind of ADD and that was not going to work for me to focus on one thing. I want to do it. I want to do it as best as I can. And, and then I want to see what's next, you know? Yeah. Did the, um, did the groundlings connection, um, is, is that how the, the, uh, um, spot on the comeback came about? Uh, the comeback. No, I mean, uh, Michael Patrick King is a big uh, fan of the Groundlings. And so he 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 will like do improv shows there. Sometimes he he never was a Groundling, but um, Lisa. Kudrow yeah, I mean, I, right. Yeah. Lisa Kudrow was. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I was thinking of, he's the showrunner. Right. Sure. So that's who I was thinking of like, he's the one that gives me the job. She doesn't give me the job. <laughs> sure. Sex. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's a big fan. That's how he connected with Lisa and they ended up making the comeback. So yeah, for sure. The Groundlings is that the Groundlings has opened a lot of doors for me. Um, And yeah, also two broke girls, which I worked on 
same thing. So some casting directors in LA will just be like, we need a funny, we need a funny woman. And they'll just go to the groundlings website and whoever is in the current company gets called in for the audition. And so that happened to me with how I met your mother with two broke girls with the comeback, like, and whatever shows are happening right now, it's happening for those people who are on in the company right now. Um, so, I mean, it's a great, it's a great catalyst for sure. Yeah. Are, are you, um, are you a good auditioner? Can you, uh, can you audition? Well, I, I was never a good audition. Like I, I always think that I'm a, a, I'm an okay performer, but as an auditioner, like I just get in my head and there's no, I'm, I'm, Oh yeah. Um, I, I think if it, if it's going to be a cold read, if it's a one and done like audition, a lot of times that I think that's why I did well in commercials when I was still auditioning for commercials, because you just kind of walk in and you go, you don't have time to obsess over it. If I have time to obsess over something, I'll be sure to somehow screw it up. <laughs> um, I think I'm an okay auditioner. It's such a bizarre thing because you're not winning the room with your audition. You're winning the room with yourself. Right. And that part is where I probably flounder. And I think it's because I want it, you know, and mm-hmm. they don't like that. They don't, they don't, oh, it's just a lot of, oh, okay, no, no, you too desperate, too, you know, too hungry. And, um, but I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I, I would love this job. Just want you to know, <laughs> you know, I'll do, hey, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Okay. Can I start over? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think that probably hasn't been. Um, but yeah, with, with how I met your mother and I was on, uh, I was on, um, what's the show on Hulu, uh, 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 the future, uh, future man. man, future man. Yeah. And both of those were, I went to the audition and I got the part. So I didn't have to go to the callback. So, cause sometimes at the callback, and I think that's the same for, uh, two broke girls. I didn't have to go to a callback. So I think that I'm a good auditioner at, at the first thing. Yeah. Then you say, hey, we liked what you did. Come do it again. And you go, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that and that makes sense because that gives you time to get in your own head. Like, uh, <laughs> because right. that's a, right. get in your way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lampoon yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, like I said, uh, I'm an enormous fan of, of sketch. You you put together um, the uh, an all female sketch troupe, uh, ma'am. What was, uh, what yes, was I did. Yeah. My, my, um, my director of the, of queen of fish town and I were, we met in level one of the ground lines and then we formed a sketch group called three old punch. Then we felt a couple of years later, we formed another sketch group called, um, big boss. And, uh, and then we were in the Sunday company together. And then, um, when we were out of the Sunday company, we did this all female sketch show called ma'am. And, um, and it went well, we did it at the groundlings. We did it at comedy central stage. And, and then Corey was kind of like, I'm ready to move on. And, and she did. And, um, but she would come back and do the ma'am shows where I was like, let's get more women and we'll do. And this was like 20, I guess like 2013 to 2016, maybe, um, we did a show every six weeks with an entirely new cast. Um, I would be in the show. I produced a show. So I would be in it. I was like one of the few returning. And then, um, Colleen Smith was our director 
And um, she's a puppeteer, a handsome puppeteer, and many, whoever else is high in puppeteers. Um, But she's also um, a Groundlings teacher and an improv and a phenomenal actress and director. And she would direct the show. And um, it was a great, great show. It was, every show was incredible because it was like, I would just, if I saw a woman who was fantastic, I would just email her and say, hey, we do the show. You want to come do it? You can put up something brand new or you can put up your favorite thing you ever wrote. Whatever you want to do, we'd love to have you come. And we had some amazing people come and do the show. And uh, it was it was a great time. And I feel like we were a little bit ahead of our time. I feel like the lady sketch shows and all that stuff. Uh, it was another like maybe four years like yeah. from when we started it that it really hit. But hey, I'd like to think that we paved the road. <laughs> you you were you pioneered you pioneered you Lewis and Clark that lady sketch show. <laughs> the uh um did it was was anybody in the troop did anybody in the troop go on um that uh we might know of or uh Oh, the, who did, ma'am? Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, yes, you know, uh have you heard of uh I mom so hard? Hashtag yes. mom so hard. So Jen Smedley came. She had just had her second baby and I had asked her to come do the show. And she, she, I think, I think the baby was like five or six weeks old. And she was like, yes, yes, I will come. Cause I think she'd been pregnant a long time and now she's just up all night. And this, and I think it was like something where, you know, my husband will have to take care of the kid. I'm going to go to rehearsal. I'll be back. You know, it, and it was great. And I think it was like within a week and a half of doing ma'am that her and her friend did their first Facebook live of mom. So hard. Wow. And I mean, I think they went viral and like, I mean, my, by, by the end, like, I think we did the show in September, by the end of October, I had a friend in Scotland who like, tweeted i mom so hard and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah so that, that yeah and she's a dear friend too she's a lovely person but so many amazing people have done the show i'm like i'd have to look back at cast lists the and cast say oh this here. person's on this show and this person's on this show but yeah sure. so many great people so um so uh you and Corey met uh in the uh in in the first in that first track uh at groundlings um, and what, what was it about each other that you kind of gravitated towards kind of working together, uh, for, you know, so frequently, I think it's like at a first class and I don't know, it's been a long time since I've been in a class, but I still know when you go to a class and you, and right away, you can go, you, 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 like you were on the le- like, I don't, it's an energy thing. I think it's like, you just know who you like watching who you, who you're like, Oh, I want to get up if they're getting up, you know, that kind of thing. And I think it was just that. I think she was funny and she thought I was funny. And then we decided, Hey, we should, uh, let's just do it ourselves. Yeah. That's great. It's great. No, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like that, uh, that, that, that meat, that meat cute of kids in elementary school. Like, can I sit here? Like, you know, like, yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. that is so cool. So um, how, how did you guys kind of um, begin crafting the Queen of Fishtown? Okay. So um, 
Uh, when we were in the Sunday company, I wrote one of my, you know, nine sketches in that week or whatever. I wrote a Philly sketch. Um, cause we're always doing all kinds of care. I mean, you're trying everything you can possibly think of. And I wrote this Philly sketch. I had this like faint memory of, uh, an aunt of mine who was very upset that we threw her a surprise birthday party. Um, and she was so mad, but everyone thought it was hilarious that she was mad, but she actually was legitimately pissed. Um, and so I wrote that sketch. And so uh, everybody in the Sunday company who was in the sketch had to learn how to do the Philly dialect. And some of them got it and some of them didn't. But um, that was like 11, 12 years ago. And people will still come up to me and say, oh, I, I love that Philly character you did. I love that Philly character. And, and maybe I did it four times. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of like in my brain and my husband, uh, Alex, he's a writer. And during a uh, lockdown and the pandemic, he was, he, he, he was, oh, he's always a machine. He writes and writes and writes and writes every day. Um, and he's also a comedian and in, improviser and a puppeteer and an actor. Um, but he writes and I was like, trying to bake banana bread like everybody else, you know? <laughs> um, but then I got to a point where like he had written quite a few things and I, I was so proud of him. And I was like, I should try to write something. And he said, well, if you have a sketch that you liked, you know, why don't you just take a stab at it and see if you could turn it into something. And I tried it with a couple other things and I did write a couple other things, but with this one in particular, I sat down and I wrote half of it. And then I was like, wow, I wrote half of that. And then about a month later, I sat down and I wrote the other half. I didn't think about it in between. I didn't, I wasn't obsessing about it or anything. And I finished it. It was a television pilot. I wrote it as a television pilot and I finished it. And I was like, I think this is the best thing I've ever written. Like, I, I'm so excited about it. And so I put it on the blacklist, um, which is a website in the, a lot of screenwriters put their stuff up and you can pay to be like, to get feedback and get scored. And I sent it to some competitions. I set it for coverage and I kept getting, um, people loved the setting. They loved Fishtown. They loved the dot that not the dialect, but the dialogue. They can't hear the dialect, but sure. they love the dialogue. They loved like so much of it. And then they would always say, and I'm, I'm not kidding you. I have a folder of them on my, on my desktop that says like you idiots. Um, but they would always say this television show is not viable because the main character, Kathleen Burke, that's the name. That's the name of the main character. She's unlikable. And I just, Oh, that really, that really got in my crawl. She's unlikable. First of all, no, she's not. I've performed her live, not her, but a version sure. of her and people love it. They've been coming up to me for all these years saying they love this thing. I also felt like, would you be saying that if the character was a man, if we switched Kathleen and her husband, Arturo, Artie, would, would anyone give that note? Absolutely not. They wouldn't because is Jerry Seinfeld likable, right? Is Walter White likable is, right. you know, is it's like, no, they're, they're damaged people, but they're so fun to watch. And I even felt like, well, who are you picturing when you're reading this? Are you picturing uh, Kristen Bell? Because if Kristen Bell's in it, 
she's likable. The end, period. End of sentence. You know, like, yeah. what the heck? So I, that really got in my crawl and I thought, I got to show them. I just got to show them. And so that's when I reached out to Corey and I said, uh, Corey, cause she helped our, another friend of ours from our sketch group and from man, Courtney Peroso, she helped her develop her solo clown show that went to the Edinburgh fringe in 2019 and has done amazing. And they developed that show together. And I called Corey and I said, so I was thinking about, I want to do maybe a solo show. I'm not sure. Um, but I wrote this pilot. She sent it to me. So I sent it to her and she said, oh, I love this. We never get to see a woman work through her anger issues, which I was like, oh, is that what it's about? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she got it. And she said, yeah, let's get together and we'll figure it out. We got together and I started reaching out to theaters and it was still very much things in lockdown here, but I just set a date. And I said, I'm going to, I booked a space and I said, I'm going to do a workshop on this day, whatever it is, we'll, we'll figure it out. What works, what doesn't gave my about myself about three weeks and I three, four weeks. And I made the, the play of it. And, um, which is it, it's part of it's the pilot, but part of it is a, it's an actual theater play. And since then it's just been like green, light go green, light go everything that I, as as the Queen of America, Oprah Winfrey says, <laughs> uh, everything I, I've had the courage to ask for has been like, a, yeah, okay. I'm like, oh, 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 really? Oh, okay. So that's how I ended up in the Hollywood Fringe, in the Edinburgh Fringe, which I'm going to in August at the King's Head Theater in in London, and even plays and players in in Philly. I was like. Well, I can't take this show all over the world and not do it in Philly first. Like I have to do that. Yeah. And I'm so excited to bring it there. But um yeah, that's kind of the trajectory. I forget the question. Oh my God. No, I'm that was it. That so was it. Lot. Was it no. okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a podcast, right? That's I was the just going to say the point is for you to talk that much. <laughs> okay. These people, these people listening to this, they hear me blather on every week. This is this is your floor, man. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. But uh, um, no, that's, that's, so so I, I ongoing theme in this is um, pandemic creativity. Um, you you had mentioned baking bread and kind of working on this. What was what was the pandemic like for you? Um, you know, as as a performer, like, uh, did you, did you do any kind of web stuff at all? Or I, I didn't, I think I took the, the, the world shutting down as the universe saying it's okay to, to focus smaller. Um, I own a dog, I own a dog walking company in, in LA 15 years. It's very small for 15 years. It's just been me. Um, and then, uh, I had a guy, I have a guy, Jason Bobian, who's amazing, uh, drag performer as well. Dr. Antibiotics, if you want to oh, look her up, beautiful. um, and he and I, we, we help each other out with dogs and we've been doing that for a long time. And we worked, we worked through the entire pandemic. I have a lot of, um, elderly clients. And so I would come, you know, and, and maybe drop off groceries, stuff like that. And just, standing so far away masks bathing in antibacterial and um i did lose a couple clients to covid um so it was a it was been a it's been a journey yeah yeah um i do think that i don't 
I don't think this show would exist without that time where I truly unplugged. And it, I think a lot of artists might agree with me, people who are like really pursuing a career in entertainment. It was this weird time where you didn't have to feel bad that you weren't working on something or that you hadn't that you didn't have to like, feel, like, I feel like that was always in a, Oh, what are you doing? Well, what's going on next? And what do you know? What do you have coming up? Blah, blah, blah. And there was none of that. Nobody had anything. So you were on the same level as everybody else for once. And it was kind of a freeing experience. And I think, and I think writing the show, obviously, but then also deciding to do a solo show with it because it's, uh, I wrote it as a television pilot has eight characters and there, I'm not getting eight people together to rehearse something in a small room with no windows and then put it on a stage in a room with no windows. Yeah, right. You know, are, we're, yeah. are we going to perform this on a rooftop somewhere? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> I went, I participated in viewing a lot of these kinds of things that you're talking about. A lot of friends who did, you know, stand up shows and readings and play, you know, all that kind of. Yeah. And I played so much trivia, so much online trivia. Shout out to Walsh Trivia. He's in Baltimore. He's still doing it. And we played so much trivia. We had so much fun doing that. Um, but yeah. yeah, the pandemic, I don't know. It yeah. was really tough and also weirdly easier because you just had to focus on yourself and your health and your family. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it was it, it was definitely an interesting thing, you know, like uh, I am uh, what they uh, refer to as an essential worker. I don't understand how um, s- selling um, cooking, cooking tools and kitchen gadgets is an essential job, but whatever. It, it kept me it kept me uh, occupied. But like, yeah. it, you know, when it when it started, they cut our hours from, you know, I'm salary, but they cut it from 40 to 30 hours. And they were like, we're not sure what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it was the busiest they've ever been as a company. Um, so then that completely reversed. And then, you know, uh, um, so like I was uh, early on, I had these plans. I was like, man, the world's shutting down. I'm going to write that song that I'm going to finish that. I, like I have a, <laughs> a, a, a Peter Pan musical that I wrote that um, it's like a rock opera. It, it tells yes! the story of uh, tells the story of Peter Pan as if um, he's just masking um, depression and that's why he refuses to grow up. And it's like this yes. whole thing, uh, which <laughs> I actually was telling the story about it to my girlfriend the other day. And she was like, uh, it doesn't sound like Peter Pan. That sounds like, uh... and I was like, all right. Okay. But yeah, I had, I had all these plans and then like uh, two years went by and I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't do anything and that's okay. Well, I guess that's the true. I started this, but you know, this is me sitting in my basement talking to oh, cool people. Oh, so you worked your job the whole time and you started a podcast? Yeah, but I, I'm Yeah, a, okay. But I'm but I'm a male in his 40s, so like starting a podcast is just kind of something that happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll laugh at that, but you better give yourself credit. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> well, I uh I can't. Um I physically cannot give myself credit on anything. So <laughs> 
but I appreciate Aww. it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, um, but yeah, so the, you know, that, that, you know, that you wrote this show, uh, well, the, the, the pilot, um, during the pandemic is amazing that you could even kind of get to that because I mean, the world went crazy um not just the pandemic but the entire world went crazy um don't yes. know if you know this or not uh but <laughs> oh, wait what are you talking about oh my god I, I don't know if you were hunkered down writing this but boy do i have some stories <laughs> to tell you from the past few years um oh boy <laughs> but um but so so um do, does the does the pilot idea still exist like it or, yes. or, or, oh yeah i mean the pilot's still there I I think that when I'm done this run, I'm sure I'll I'm I'm learning so much doing it yeah. about what people connect to about it um and what works what doesn't, you know, and and mining it and mining it and mining it and mining it for the for the for the diamonds and if anything it's going to be better than ever hopefully after um after all of this but yeah, of course, the pilot's still there, and I had I made a pitch deck for the pilot and everything, um, and I was ready to go. And then I ended up making this show, and I I don't know, I you know Fleabag, you know the show Fleabag. Sure. She went to the Edinburgh Fringe, and then she got to make a pilot. So I guess I reversed Fleabagged it. <laughs> I, like I wrote it. a pilot and then I, and now I'm, t- and then I made it a play and then I took it to the Edinburgh Fringe. So I, I reverse flea bagged it. Yeah. Well, it's smart because, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not uh, too savvy, but, you know, I, to me, it, it seems logical that like, especially if the, the kind of places you've shopped it to, um, have that kind of reaction to the character to be able to show them something and present them something that isn't on the page. That's like, no, you don't understand. This is the character. I yeah. think, I think is huge. Like, you know, uh, I don't know if that, if that was the, the goal or the plan, but it's definitely a benefit of kind mm-hmm. of putting this together. Um, tell the cool kids and cats at home uh, a little bit about the character. Okay, so Kathleen Burke uh, is the titular character, the 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 Queen of Fishtown, um, and she is an OG of the neighborhood. Um, and the show follows her in, in through her struggles to maintain her authenticity despite everything around her changing. The neighborhood, yes, completely gentrified, but also her kids are growing up and she's growing up. And there's there's some surprises in the show that pop up that a lot of change is happening that's inevitable. And she is uh, not too happy about it, um, but she's also very experienced with change because she's lived in this neighborhood that's completely different than how it was when she was a kid. And... Uh, her family's lived in the neighborhood for generations and the show starts on her front stoop and she's talking to her neighbors and these are the, you know, the hipsters who've moved in and, and she's kind of, you know, she's poking fun at them and making fun of some of the stuff they've, you know, different shops they've opened and, and things like that. And then she tells them a little bit about what the neighborhood was like when she was a kid. She tells them about the history of her family a little bit, like, Hey, my my family has been in this neighborhood since we got off the boat in 1917, and our, our the the row home her row home was built in 1917, but her family's been there for generations and generations, and um, 
and she's just kind of like taking in all of this change. And um, I call, I say that the show is a solo show filled with hope and profanity. Um, So she does eventually get, she does eventually embrace some things that I think she has a hard time with, but, um, but ultimately the show is funny. I want people to know that it's a funny show, um, but it has its serious moments as well. And, um, and I finished writing it and registered it at the WGA. And about three weeks later, I saw the first billboard for mayor of Easttown out on sunset Boulevard. And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I was so mad. And then I watched the show and I was like, oh, it's, uh, it's fine. You're like, um, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. It's fine. No, I, I think if anything, it, it, it's helped because now there's an audience who wants more of that, of that kind of, you know, that dialect, that world, like, what is this? Wah-wah? What is this? You know? Uh, and, and so uh, in London, actually the, the theater there put up on their website at the King's Head theater, they wrote um, it's like mayor of East town, but funny and with zero murder, <laughs> which I love it. <laughs> I love it. That, that's an awesome um, byline. Yeah. So I would say that the character of Kathleen Burke is um, a woman who's who's facing her change head on, um, not her change. She's not like going through menopause or anything, but um, just facing a lot of change in her life. And I think that although she as a character is very unique and the neighborhood and Philly are very specific, the story is universal. I think yeah. it will translate to, I just finished a run in the Hollywood fringe and a lot of people came to the show who had never been to Philadelphia, who didn't know anything about Philadelphia. And afterwards they would say, this reminded me of my aunt in Iowa or, Oh my God, that was my mom. And I'm like, Oh, are you from Philly? Oh no, I'm from Indiana. You know, it's like, it, it, Oh, okay, good. Like I, I, I'm hopeful that the same will be true when I get to the UK that, yeah. you know, there's a show, uh, there's a play called Stones in His Pockets that I've seen a few times. And it's an Irish play. And it's a two-hander, two actors. They play like they play like 150 characters between them. I only do eight. <laughs> um, but it all takes place in this little tiny town in Ireland that has a very, very thick Irish dialect. You can't understand half of the stuff these people are saying. And I love that show. Because you get to go into this world that you don't know anything about and live there for a little while. And um, it's, I, I think that that's what Fishtown is for a lot of people who haven't been. Now, I've also had people come to the show who are from Philly. And they've been my best audiences, let me tell yeah. you. I had, uh, there's a playwright named Chris Haas. Um, he's from Philly. And he had a show in the Hollywood Fringe called um, Meeting Across the River. And he and his wife came to the show and then a couple of people from his play. I don't know these people. They showed up to my two o'clock matinee, head to toe Eagles gear, <laughs> came in. And at the end of the like, um, you know, oh, the emergency exits are here. You know, those announcements they do at the top of the show. And at the end of it, they say, sit back, relax. And as always, go birds. Oh, and yes. Then, and they were in the audience and they went, go birds. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I get to start here because usually I have to come out and I got to win everybody over and, you know, and I'm trying to get them, everybody relaxed because I talked to the audience. And so 
the fact that I get to come out and start there. And he said afterwards, probably my favorite review I've gotten is from, from him. And he said, um, it's about Philadelphia. What's special about us, why we're misunderstood and what makes us the greatest sports fans ever. (laughs) He said, I was smiling the whole time. It's fantastic. And I, and a lot of people from Philly said, I feel like I just spent an hour at home. So I'm so excited to do it in Philly and get to start at, you know, at the jump, everybody knows where we are. They understand what it is from minute one. Um, whereas in Hollywood, they're like, she's talking to us. Um, uh, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned something there that's, that was in the back of my head when you were talking kind of about, um, the, the notes from where you submitted it is, um, we are a very misunderstood, uh, people here in Philadelphia. So it is kind of telling that people, you know, read this character as, uh, unlikable because that's that that's uh, we're the What's unlikable lovable people. No, nope, <laughs> nobody likes us. We don't care, right? Exactly. Which, exactly. You, I think the thing is about Philly is that it's a beating heart. That's the part that people don't know until they experience it. So they just hear these stories about oh they threw snowballs at Santa and they blah 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 oh they draw they climb the lamp posts or they're whatever and or wasn't there like a robot yeah the, first, the, the hitchhiking robot that we killed hitchhiking yeah. robot like and it's like you know they their aggressiveness is funny to them to us I mean to me too because that's why I wrote the show but it's like. That's our defense mechanism. Right. I think humor is the defense mechanism of Philadelphia because ultimately the United States of America does not exist without us. That's and yet the, the, the Dallas Cowboys are America's team. No. Ah, come on. No, come on. I can't with this. You know, it's like no, they, we get no respect. We get no respect at all. And, you know, that's chanting. Nobody likes us. We don't care. The thing is, I think we do care. Otherwise, why are we chanting that so loudly? <laughs> right. But I think that it the, that the city is a beating heart. I think this character and the characters in my show are. And that's the thing that people have been really uh, effusive in, in telling me after the show, which I love it. I'm so glad that that's translating. That's what I want to translate. That it's like, not only is she likable, but you're going to love her. Like it, it, it's, and you're going to love her family and you're going to get it. Like, yeah. and I think that there are people like this all over the country and it's like, are all over the world. You know, we, we, we've been, we've been handed the, we've been dealt the cards we've been dealt and yeah, I can appreciate what I have and I can, you know, do my, <laughs> what a gratitude list or whatever. But I can also go, yeah, but that's, that freaking sucks, you know, and that's okay. It's okay to say that. And yeah. I think some people go, oh, God, no. Yeah, it's you like, can't admit it. <laughs> you, It sucks, though. We can yeah. say it sucks, right? So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, and it's true. Like, it, it's, 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 I've always found it fascinating that, that our area um, puts off that kind of 
that kind of attitude or atmosphere when really we are just like, someone please pay attention to it. Like, please love us. Like, please. can <laughs> someone please acknowledge our existence? Right. Like, and then none of us would be doing nothing if it weren't for us. Yeah. Because, I, I, and my, my cousin was in a, at an Uber here in LA. And the guy said, Oh, where are you from? She said, oh, I'm from Philadelphia. And he goes, Oh, oh, Philly. Oh, so like, um, Oh yeah, like uh, the Eagles and uh, Sixers and the and she goes, yeah, and the and the and the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the Liberty Bell and the you know oh and he said oh cheesesteaks and like all that bad right. food and I'm like oh so we're just known for sports teams and aggressive fans and bad food which by the way is delicious food when I'm saying bad food yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. But everyone knows, but you know, it's not good for you, but like, that's, that's our calling card and not the constitutional convention. Oh, come on. Come on. I just, yeah, it's, it's one, one of the, one of the most bizarre things. And, and I, I poke fun at this all the time, even though I, it's kind of the same thing. Like as much as I, as much as I'm going to complain about it, I secretly love it inside the fact that we have, um, a, a, a statue that is literally a prop from a film sitting outside of a place that, <laughs> that houses like priceless art. And every time you go down to the city, there is a line around the corner of people wanting to get their picture taken with that movie prop and nobody right. going in the museum, I think is very, <laughs> very telling of, you know, it's the same thing you just said. Like we, we literally, this is the birthplace of America and everybody's like, ah, man, I got to go to, the, I got to try this Patrogino's thing. I don't understand. Like that's it. Yeah. Yeah. With, 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 without, with, what? Huh? Yeah. Got to figure this out. Oh man. I totally, I, I hope I can turn the minds around of a few people. That's it. If the you can reach one theater goers, the few theater goers that are really looking to have their mind changed about Philadelphia. <laughs> That's great. So yeah. you were saying you were saying you, you, you know, you're bringing it back home and uh, you had to add a date because uh, ticket sales are going so well. Are, are you excited? Yeah. Are, you, are you? I mean, I'm sure you are. But like, uh, are, are, you, are you mentally prepared to to bring no, this baby? I'm home? definitely not mentally prepared. My my passport hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> which I'm chomping at the bit. Um, they cashed my check eight weeks ago. Like what's going on beer cats. But um, I am so excited to do it in Philadelphia. I hope they don't throw tomatoes at me. Um, I think they're going to love it. I think it's a love letter to Philadelphia. It's a love letter to the neighborhood. My parents grew up in and where I spent my childhood. Um, and a lot of my cousins grew up in and um uh, going there every weekend. And yeah, I mean, it's, it was alive to me. It was, it was, it was, a a visceral thing. And, um, this is definitely a love letter to the city and to specifically, uh, a person whose voice, um, we never get to hear. And this is a working class woman who does her best, who's smart as a whip, who's funny and fun and angry as hell. And she has something she needs to, to say. And um, ultimately she gets to say them um, and work through some things. And 
I'm so excited to do it. I, you know, I'm interested to see how it's going to be received. I mean, every show is different too. It's like, you know, you'll have, I had that crowd of uh, people in Eagles gear, you know, being raucous throughout the show. And, uh, and then I had a crowd where it was like, are you guys out there? Are you listening? Uh, God, they hate it. They hate it. And then they gave me a standing ovation. And I was like, oh, okay. So I guess you were listening. Yeah. You know, you never know what and how their day was before they come to the theater and how hot it is in the theater. Uh, if anyone's listening that does comedy, just keep the theater freezing. Cold people laugh. Hot people go to sleep. It's true. So, uh, yes, yeah, so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm really hopeful that plays and players is air conditioned <laughs> but we'll be there the 20th to the 24th and uh tickets are on eventbrite um or you could just go to my website queenoffishtown.com especially if you know anybody in london or anybody going to the edinburgh fringe festival in scotland and i'll also be doing the show in new york city in november um, as part of United Solo Fest at, on Theater Row on 42nd Street, uh, November 19th. And if I sell that date out, then they give me another date. It's like that. That's awesome. Racket. Sounds like a racket, but I'll take it. <laughs> hey, I'm going to be on Broadway. I'm like thrilled, you know. That's amazing. That's amazing. A long way from sneaking backstage at Oliver and hiding. hiding <laughs> oh, you're yeah, absolutely right. You know? <laughs> You know, yes. it's beautiful. I love it. Um, at this time, do you want to go through the jauntlet? Uh, these are the questions the that, I asked, that I asked. Hey, yeah, I'm already hey, put a jauntlet. Oh, Let's that, th- that's one thing I have to ask. Is there is there any um any is there any John in the Queen of Fishtown? Are there any? Uh... There is one John. <clears throat> there we're in there. I did not want to overdo it. Yeah. With the John. Yeah. So there's one time and it's not like a huge. It's like if you're looking for it, you'll hear it and you will appreciate. And then that's it. That's the best yeah, way to are, do it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to put too much. I, ultimately, because a lot of people have been saying I should put the character on TikTok and try to promote on TikTok. And I want to mm. try to do that. But she's not a caricature. Right. And I don't want people to think I'm making fun of yeah. because I'm not. And so I really want it to live in, you know, in truth. And so I'm not exactly sure how to navigate the TikTok thing because, and, and all, and, and bow down to, you know, some amazing uh, performers who do the Philly characters. I follow them all and Aunt Mary Pat's my favorite (laughs) and I love, I love them. Um, And that's, that's awesome and great. It's not what I'm doing. I'm not like it's, I'm doing a play it's theater. It's, it's a little bit, uh, I just don't want anyone to think I'm that she's a caricature or that yeah. she's um, yeah. I don't know. I hope I didn't insult anyone. And in what I was saying, I meant to say it as like a compliment. But no, okay. I, you know, I, I don't, I think, I think, you know, from the things you've been saying, the, the, the reaction that people have been having to it, I think, I think the, the, the character kind of sells itself and kind of um, explains itself. And I, and I do think, you know, from, from what I've seen of it, that when people see it, they, they, there isn't room to take offense to it because it's, it's, it's too like, it's too like, oh, I know that. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's raw. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. It, she's raw. She's she's a live nerve, and she's also like opening her heart up. And so I think it's like you can be offended, I guess, but 
I warned you there was profanity. So right. <laughs> I know what do you want me to do? Come on. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All right. So this starts with the one hit wonders. Uh, the first one uh, is just picking a favorite. You don't you don't have to uh, beat yourself up over it. Billy Joel or Elton John? Billy Joel. Yeah. Yeah, it's an yeah, East Coast yeah. thing. I, I, I keep telling people the, the, the Billy Joel love. Um, number two, Debbie Harry or Joan Jett? Debbie Harry. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I definitely, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, Joan Jett from the area, though. Um, just saying. Uh, you, you're, you're hurting. Well, who just people. played Joan Jett? Didn't uh, the vampire girl just play Joan Jett? She did. Yes, yes. Yeah. 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 Did you watch and, it? I didn't. No, I, I, no, I, 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 I didn't either. Oh, well. <laughs> Uh, Put it in the queue. That's right. Oh, the never-ending queue. There's just so much content. I'm I'm so behind. That was the one thing about the pandemic that really upset me. Right. So so many people were telling me all these things are watching. watching? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I watch so much stuff. Right. But you know, it's like probably the fiftieth time I'm making my way through Bob's Burgers again. You know, like. uh... Yeah, we did that with Community Cheers. Uh, Yeah. Seinfeld, yeah, the best. Uh, Next one, Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner? Okay, Aretha Franklin for her piano uh, skills um, as well. I mean, of course, because of uh, her and her voice, and but also because she could play. But my friend Katori Hall wrote the the book for the musical Tina. No way. And yes, and the girl Adrienne Warren who. I think won the uh, she won the Tony for playing Tina Turner and unbelievable, like unbelievable what the songs, the notes, the energy. And then at the end of the play, they do like a whole nother concert. So she just did two hours of Tina Turner and now she does another like half an hour, 45 minutes of Tina Turner. So uh, definitely have a, a love for Tina Turner as well. So it was a hard one to pick. That's, that's I love it. I love it. No, good answer. Good answer. Uh, Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Pearl Jam. Yes, me too. Me too. I'm oh, a, okay. Yeah, I, I'm a big. Uh, I told you we had a lot in common. You know, my poster. My poster. Everyone asks me if it's a nod to Nirvana. Um, because uh, for for people listening, I'm underwater and smoking and drinking a beer, drinking a Yangling, and uh, and so people have said, "Is that Nirvana?" And I'm like. Sure. Do Wait, does that make be? you like it more? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you like it more, then yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, yeah. Definitely. Pearl Jam. Um, also, uh, uh, kudos on a well-placed yingling bottle. Um, it, it couldn't have been anything else, but yes. I had to have them. Uh, my friend, John Phoebus, brought them out here. Really? Empty yinglings for me. And I have shopping bags in the in the show, and he brought me out a bunch of Acme, ShopRite, yeah, bags. And very, very cool. So yeah, it's a my, my aunt Ann, my aunt Ann sent me a case of tasty cakes, and that was my uh that was my merch at the Hollywood Fringe. Oh, and perfect. then there's a there's a pretzel company in Los Angeles called Shappy's Pretzels, and he does Philly pretzels. Adam Shapiro is his name, and Shappy Pretzels. And um, I bought my very first like preview performance i bought pretzels from shappies and handed them out at the end of the show and everyone was like what is this deliciousness and on father's day during the hollywood fringe they came and surprised the audience and handed out the soft pretzels that's so which cool i love it yeah that so i had to so have all cool. the things i had to have all the only thing we haven't had is cheese steaks 
at the show. But in London, I'm going to be um, doing some cross promotion with Passion Gav, which is a bar and restaurant in London. Very popular. They have four locations and it's a cheesesteak Philly bar dive bar. And it's like all like Mike Schmidt and, and, uh, and Bobby Clark, like all the, 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 the old, the old time in, uh, uh, sports paraphernalia all over the walls. And, um, but they're helping like to promote the show. And, um, they said, maybe we do, we're going to do like a cheesesteak thing. I don't know exactly what yet, but, Very um, cool. so that'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You'll have to let me know how they are because um, I have a friend who lives in England. He was like, I tried a cheesesteak from this place and it's supposed to be authentic. And I was like, we'll be the fucking judge of that. Um, but I haven't been able to get over there to try it. Um, but he he loved it. So uh, I'm hoping. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, the guy that's doing it, I think he's from Lawrenceville. I looked him up recently. So he's he's from Lawrenceville. So just across the river. Yeah. And um, and I think they make their own bread. Okay. Um, because they can't obviously get the rolls there and right. nobody knows how to do it right. And they right. tried to do soft pretzels and they, it, no matter what they did, they could not, I don't know if it's the elevation or whatever. It's the water. And so he was like, no, he took them off the menu. He was like, if we're not doing it right, we're not doing it at all. From, from like, what I understand, it's the water. Um, there's, uh, something yeah. about the, uh, the water itself, which, uh, you know, water brings life. And, uh, if you don't have the life Can of I Philadelphia, you, don't. I'm happy for a pretzel no matter what. Like it's fine. Like I'm it's all good, especially if we've got some good mustard. We good. Yeah. But <laughs> absolutely. I derailed um, us. This is supposed it's to be okay. like I the what did I tell you? What did I tell you? I told you. This is this is what happens. This is what happens. This is AD this is ADHD meets ADHD. It's you know Yes, uh, it is. It is. Immovable object. Game recognized game. Unstoppable force. That's right. <laughs> Uh, next one, Janis Joplin or Stevie Nicks? Janis Joplin. Yeah. I don't think Stevie Nicks gets to be Stevie Nicks without Janis Joplin. It's a so. good point. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, the big one, Beatles or the Stones? The Monkees? Yes. Yes. 100%. <laughs> Um, has anybody said that i was like they're gonna murder so me. <laughs> no so here's here's the here's the best part because everybody in the audience went great here goes nate um i'm an enormous monkeys fan and um early on in uh season one of this uh podcast i did this whole rant on how the monkeys should be in the hall of fame so anytime anybody brings up the monkeys independently without without me having to force it on them is a glorious moment <laughs> oh in my the podcast. god i so, love it so yes oh. Thank you. I did not know that. I'm sorry I didn't know it, but I'm so glad that I said it. I am, it I am too. You know, you never know. People might come for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's hard out there. It's hard out there. It's a, it's a jungle. Uh, the last one of the one hit wonders, Bohemian Rhapsody or Stairway to Heaven? I got to go Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm yeah. a comedy girl. Yeah. Wayne's World Forever, baby. Come of on. course. Of course. We had a uh, great Poupon. If we you're gonna a, spew spew into this <laughs> my my uh my my favorite uh thing in the world to just randomly shout out is game on uh when they when they move the net back and forth uh it, when the cars come by it's my favorite just yeah, yeah, yeah. randomly be somewhere and be like game on whenever something Not awkward happens bird. <laughs> oh yes Yes. <laughs> Go birds! How about that? Oh yes. <laughs> um, okay, so the the last section of this is the top ten countdown. These are just uh, ten favorites. Um, you can use John to be whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be anything specific. You know that. Uh, number one, yeah. what's your what was your first John? What was the first thing you were obsessed with when you were younger? 
Oh, I, you know, I took it to be, um, I took it to be music. That's fine. And what so I, I said, wrote, whatever you want I wrote Uptown Girl because really? I, I, like kindergarten, that was my, that's the, fr- the first song I remember being like obsessed with that, that song. That's awesome. I don't know why. <laughs> now we know okay. that Elton John had no chance in the one hit wonders. If that was your first John. <laughs> I know. I know. It doesn't explain a lot. Uh, number yeah. two, what's your current John? What are you into right now? Um, so I, I really took it to be music, but it, I will yeah, also do, I'll also do TV. Um, the, uh, P Valley. If, if you're not watching P Valley on stars, uh, it's incredible. Um, and it's strippers, um, in the deep South, but it's from the female gaze and the, the dialect is, is incredible. Um, the dialogue is incredible. The, the, uh, the writer won a Pulitzer this year. It's, it's, it's an amazing show that is not getting enough. Oh, it should have been unappreciated. John, sorry. I'm just realizing that, but I got to say that, well, the show's also going on right now, but, um, uh, music wise, I heard Duran Jones and the indications play with you on, um, the public radio here. It's 88.5 here too. But, um, I was like, what's the song? I shazammed it. I came home. I was listening to with you for like three, three to four months before the album even came out. I love that song. It is like such a party anthem to me. Um, and then Brandy Edis, Bees and Bees and Bees uh, album. She's from the tri-state area. And I, her song, Count to Three, has been kind of a mantra for me um, throughout the Hollywood fringe. There's a refrain in it where she sings like, um, and if you think it's gonna be great, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. And I just like, it just makes me feel good right before I go on stage. I've like started to like, that's a song I'll listen to. And so um, that's the current John. That's awesome. I got to check that out. I, I'm, I'm not familiar with it, but I, I love the positivity. That's, that's my, uh, that's, I've, I've been... oh, she's a great writer and the music's great. It's very, it's kind of a 90s um acoustic-y, like emo-y, but she's got a really sweet voice and she's a terrific writer too. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Number three, what was your first concert? What was the first live show you saw? Oasis at at the Veteran Stadium. Fantastic. That's a Screaming trees opened up for them. (laughs) That's awesome. That is that is a great show. Rest in peace, hey, Mark. Great Blackburn. first concert. Yeah, yeah, it's not New Kids on the Block or something embarrassing. I guess that is not that cool. that's embarrassing. That's also great. <laughs> so um, my answer for that has always been because it was the first live show I went to was uh, David Bowie um, at, at Hershey Park in the, on the Serious Moonlight tour, and then my second show was David Bowie at the um, Vet uh, for the Glass Spider tour. Um, but in a conversation recently, I just realized that, but th- that's all a lie. My very first show. Now I was two. I don't remember any of this, but I just, it came up in, in, in like a, it just came out of nowhere in my brain. My dad telling me that uh, my parents took me to the Philadelphia zoo when I was two and the talking heads played there. So like, so now what? I get to say my first show was the talking heads in 79. And then my second two and three show were Bowie. So yeah. I don't know how you have 
uh, how do you t- like you can't top i mean it's so good it's crazy it's absolutely crazy <laughs> i don't you know I, I told someone uh the other day when i was taught when i figured this out i was like i seemingly had very hip parents <laughs> yes i i would say yeah uh number four uh what was your last concert what was the last live show you went to the last live show I went to was the L.A. Philharmonic doing like a requiem at uh, Disney Concert Hall in downtown L.A. Um, with a dog walking client of mine. She had tickets and she said, want to go tonight? OK, yeah, sure. We went. Um, but the last ticket concert tickets I bought were to see Cynthia Revo at the Hollywood Bowl. And Very that was, nice. yeah, it was amazing. Stellar. Uh, number four. Uh, oh, wait, no, that was number four. Number five. What was your favorite concert? My favorite concert was at the Electric Factory in 1999. I didn't know this band. I had just met John Phoebus, who I called out earlier, who brought me the Yingling bottles. I had just met him at college. We were freshmen at Ryder. And he, um, he had two tickets to see Ben Folds Five. And I didn't know who they were. And he goes, you know that brick song? Yeah, she's a brick and I'm like, oh yeah, I've heard that on the radio. He goes, yeah, they do that. And then he told me a couple other songs. I was like, I don't know anything you're talking about. And then I went to the concert and I was like, I've been a fan for life. Like I, it was, it was a transcendent experience. He's a great storyteller, a great musician. And he involves the audience a lot in a way that, I think when he was doing it, I don't know how many people were doing that, where he is the horn section and, you know, you guys are going to be the horns on this side and you're going to be the horns. on the, And it was, it was, and I didn't know any of the music. And by the end of it, like, I still remember hearing narcolepsy. Like I remember standing there and hearing it and going like, oh my gosh. So it's a and fave, even yeah. though I've been to like, I've probably been to 80 concerts at the Hollywood bowl and I'm, I'm calling it back to the electric factory. No, that's perfect. So um, two funny things about Ben Folds. One, that show that morning, um, I believe that morning or, or right around then that for that performance um, he did or no, it wasn't then it was the next time he came through. Not so not that, but uh, he did a free at noon for for 88.5 out here. Um, and I got to go to the electric factory like during the day while it was like empty and stuff like that yeah. and watch him just play piano. And it was it was transcendent. And then yeah. the second Ben Folds thing is I also saw him at the Man Music Center backed by the Philly Pops. So it was him oh, with an yeah. orchestra and it was absolutely glorious absolutely mm-hmm. glorious big fan yes amazing so good uh number six who have you never seen live that you wish you would have they can be living or dead bruce springsteen i have never seen him either like uh, i was a late bloomer to the bruce thing because um you know being in the area I, all you ever hear is people screaming bruce so like you know of course as a as a precocious teen i'm like no fuck bruce springsteen and then like i heard right, like right. darkness darkness on the edge of town and i was like oh no i get it now this oh, is when- <laughs> okay. yeah 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 i we have a friend uh bobby crutt who's a uh published poet, award-winning poet. He's a professor at uh, UC Santa Barbara and a literature professor. His favorite poet is Bruce Springsteen. I believe it. I believe it. You know, I I don't know if you read his book or not, but um, I literally made it like 
two paragraphs into his book and I was like, you put more work into the words you just used in two paragraphs than I did in the entire book I self-published back in 08. <laughs> like, it was, Wait, what's uh, your self-published book? What uh, is it? You can't find it. It's not available anywhere. So uh, I shouldn't have even mentioned it on air. Uh, no, <laughs> but uh, no, it was just a collect. It was a collection of short, um, like screenplays and stuff like that. Um, but they were, it was, it was called, uh, Tony and Catherine and other strange tales of love. And it was just all really weird, like kind of, um, love at first sight was one of them. Another one was, um, um, uh, 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 love triangle, all kinds of things like that. It was love. Yeah, it was love. It was love. Um, um, but, um, put it on Amazon. Maybe I should. Maybe I should dust yeah, that out. I was I, I did get one really good review from someone who told me that my um, writing reminded her of um, uh, John Patrick Shanley, who wrote oh, uh, Dallas. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. But he also wrote Joe versus the volcano. So I don't know which version she meant that I reminded her of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe both. And that's OK. Yeah, exactly. I can live in the middle of that. I'll take it. Yeah. That sounds like uh, two successful properties. So that's that's exactly right. You're going to hate you take those those checks to the bank, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, number seven, name an unappreciated John. Name something you wish had some more shine to it. OK, so I already I already shouted out P-Valley. Um, I I. Uh, I wrote down because I was doing music for some reason, but um, the South Soul Orchestra. I bought this record for a dollar at the um, Amoeba Music here in in Hollywood because I thought the cover of it was funny. It was a, it's called Christmas Jollies, and it's like a lady and her like you can almost see her tush here. I'm going to show you it. Okay, oh, so you can kind of see almost see her tushy. <laughs> And it says, dance your ass to the South Soul Records. <laughs> and I put it on. It's like a disco Christmas album. It is now, it has surpassed all Christmas albums for me. This is my Christmas record, the South Soul Orchestra. And I didn't even know this. They're from Philadelphia. No way. Yes. It's basically a bunch of musicians who play on everybody else's stuff. So they're studio musicians. And then this was their orchestra that they made to just, you know, mess around and have fun and riff and stuff. And there is a New Year's medley that only people in Philly will really, truly love where they do Auld Lang Syne, I'm looking over a four-leaf clover. Alabama Jubilee, God Bless America, and Dem Golden Slippers. Oh, the Dem Golden Slippers. And, that, and, and I, I remember, and it's like, there's no singing really. Like every once in a while, I'll hear like some girls in the background, like, but like, it's, it's so fun. It's like disco funk. And it's, and then like, we should be, Philadelphia in general needs to be celebrating some of these artists that, that they've created. Um, and so that's my underappreciated John. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is awesome. I have to try to find, see if I can track that down on Discogs or something. That sounds Just really ask, ask Alexa to play it. She'll play. She knows. Oh, it's, it. oh, it's streaming. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, we're doing it. That is awesome. You're uh, welcome. <laughs> number eight. What's your favorite album of all time? I really was like, oh no, I can't think what, it, what could it be? What could it be? And then I went, oh, right. Paul Simon's Graceland. Oh my God. I will. Yeah. Um, 
So if you're a fan of that album, um, I don't know if you've heard um, uh, Don McCluskey's latest album, The Chaos and the Beauty, um, but it is in it is in a similar vein and it is my favorite album this year. It is so fantastic. Ooh. And um, uh, he uh, does work with Maggie. So make that connection. Uh, oh, cool. But yeah, yes, I'll look him check, up. check that out. Very, that. very good stuff. Uh, number eight, name an artist or number nine, name an artist whose output you'll consume anything they release. I'm going to get so many eye rolls on this. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Even the freestyle stuff? No, I don't care about that. Okay. Um, when I, I listened to In the Heights, I hadn't seen the show. I listened to the record or listened to the album. Um, I was driving down the Jersey Turnpike. And somebody gave me the album for In the Heights. And my parents lived basically exit one. And I started in New York. And when I got to exit four, I was just tears for the rest of the ride. And I was like, who is this? I have to know what this, like, this is amazing. And he wrote about a neighborhood and he wrote about, you know, these people. Queen of Fishtown, you know, it's like obviously influential to me, which I'm just putting that together right now. Um, so thank you. Uh, the other thing, like I wa- I was just started to kind of follow whatever he was up to. And I saw him do the not throwing away my shot at, on YouTube. Um, and he did it just as like, he was like, I'm going to do a rap album about Alexander Hamilton. And he did it, performed it at the White House. because, And they wanted him to come and do something from In the Heights. Cause he had won the Tony and he was like, can I do something? I it's very, it's, it would work because it's, you know, his American history and whatnot. And they said, yeah, whatever you want to do, you're invited. And I watched that on YouTube. And then I waited like two years for him. Then it, all of a sudden, Oh, it's a musical. And then Hamilton um, obviously was a huge hit. And uh, in 2015, I was going through, a terrible breakup. And my, one of my best friends, Zuzana lives in New York. And she said, I want you to come to New York and come, come hang out. We'll have a girl's weekend. She was in, uh, she was in, she was doing love's labor's lost at the public and Hamilton had opened on Broadway. And I was doing the artist way at the time. I don't know if you've ever done the artist way. I haven't recommend. done it, but I've, I'm familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And my artist date that week was I bought the Hamilton soundtrack because it had come out that day. And so I had bought it and she was like, I want you to come to New York. Okay. And then I said, Hey, what's Andrew up to? And her best friend is Andrew Rannells. He was in, um, Book of Mormon, Book of Mormon girls. Sure. Yeah. Black Monday. And she goes, Oh, that's funny. You ask because he just replaced Jonathan Groff on Broadway in Hamilton just for six weeks. Cause Jonathan had already booked the, the looking, the movie they were doing for HBO. And so it conflict, but, but Jonathan Groth, Groth originated the character, but Andrew was just going to come in and help out for like six weeks. And I already got you house seats. That's what she said. Oh. This was the ticket. Nobody could get for like yeah. four more years. And she said, you have two tickets and, um, and I can't go with you because I have my show. Um, so I call my niece Jada who is a musical, she's a freshman musical theater major at Pace. She's mixed race. Like Hamilton is her John. Yeah. (laughs) 
I call Jada and I'm like, Hey, it's, it's Aunt Katie. She's like, how are you? You know, she knew about the breakup. Well, I said, I'm coming to New York. I'll do, okay. I'll see you whenever you want. I said, well, I was wondering if you'd do me a favor. Um, I have to go see the show. Ugh, I don't know. Like I have an extra ticket. Oh, of course I'll do whatever you want. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Hamilton. She went, ah! it was like the best aunt moment of my life. And the end of the show comes and Andrew put us on the list to come backstage. So we go backstage and it's like the star studded. I mean, I think the Reverend Al Green was there. Like it was like crazy. Like, you know, the president could have been like, it was the amount of stars on the stage and we're just walking around. And luckily I have a, a, a 19 year old who's sobbing and saying, yeah, you're living my dreams. You're paving the road for me. And so I just hawk her on anybody I want to meet. And I'm like, Oh, my niece, she yes. needs to, but also I want to meet them. Um, and uh, it was funny because there were in the show. I don't know if you know the show, but I do. Uh, the guy who plays in the first act plays Hercules Mulligan in the second act, he plays James Madison. And in the first act, you're watching the show and I lean over to, to Jada. I go, he's my favorite. You know, he does the like, da, 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 you know, that stuff. And he's the spy and all that. And she goes, yeah, yeah, he's so good. So we're meeting everybody and taking pictures with all the stars. And um, I see him standing alone. And I said, hey, it's our favorite guy. Let's go say hi. So we walk over to him and I go, hi. And he goes, Katie Rose. Whoa. And I was like, what? And he was like, he's like, I thought it had to be you. I saw your name on the, on the list to come backstage. Like, How many Katie Roses can there be? And I'm looking at him going, uh, and he's like, you don't remember me, do you? And I'm like, oh no, no, no. And he, and he's like, you were my first improv teacher. No like, way. Yeah. Like wavy 12, 13 years before that. And he's like, it's okay. I look totally different. I'm a man. I'm a grown ass man now. <laughs> like, and I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, like I just like, didn't he's a grown ass man. And I met him when he was like 16, you know, and taught Holy him just for a month crap. when he was 16. And I was like, Hey, my niece can tell you, I said you were my favorite even before I knew you were a student of mine. And uh, so that, that was amazing. Yeah. He went to the New Jersey governor's school and I was by then I had graduated and moved and then I was coming back to teach. And so it was the synchronistic moment of like, if you've ever done the artist way, it's so satisfying when you do your artist uh, 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 date with yourself, which was, I bought the album and then, uh, and then something will like, yes, and you later in the week. And there it was. And I was like, That's Oh, a- you're going through this breakup, but it's Okay people love you from before you were with that person. And it's, uh, yeah. So sorry, that was a really long story. I'm sorry. No, that's fantastic. I love it. You know, I, I, I did uh, make a jokingly eye roll at the Lin-Manuel thing, but um, you know, uh, the stuff he's done with Disney is just absolutely amazing. And like, incredible. And it confuses me because I am a bit of a hater. Um, as they, as the kids say, um, so like, I have to like, accept that, like, I maybe do like him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, should, I think I, part of, part of it, it is that he's so earnest. Yeah. And I think that especially for people from where we're from, we don't know how to, we don't know how to interface no. with that kind of vulnerability, that kind of raw, like passion of just, but but let's just love and love and love and love. And we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. 
That's well, enough. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually another part of it. And it is very Hamilton based on, on what, uh, where this all started. And it was, he wrote himself a character where three women are in love with him. And I'm like, <laughs> get over yourself, sir. Get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's just the history. Yeah. Right? Oh, okay. Oh, we know what you're doing, Lynn Manuel. We get it. Okay. Yeah, we got you. We got your number. It's <laughs> oh, fantastic. Uh, the tenth and final of the top ten countdown. What is your favorite John of all time? I don't know. Maybe like singing in the rain or something like that. I. That's. That's a fantastic answer. That to me, that, okay. I don't know if you meant the song or the movie. Um, the but the like, movie, yeah, yeah, the movie. Yeah, that movie. I, I, don't, I don't know how much you know about the history, but that movie literally exists because they own the rights to all of those songs, and they were like, "Make us a show," like, and yeah. and that they did that, and then made, um, you know, uh, one of the greatest films ever made ever? is like, is like, you know, it's one of those things that like creativity just will strike wherever it needs to strike if you are creative and i i i I love that love that movie i think too it's sometimes that having boundaries or having the things you have to do sometimes makes things makes you even more creative than if you just had a blank canvas you know definitely best of both worlds i guess but yeah Definitely. So, so you're, 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 you're doing the queen of fish town and you're taking it all over the globe. Um, have you thought about any, a a follow-up at all, or, or are you still too into this right now to even my husband, Alex, he keeps saying that he's like, you got to figure out what you're doing next. You know, I'm like, I'm doing this right now. I, 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 this is so much, I'm self-producing. So it's like, we're in six different cities. That's six different board operators light lighting and and tech and press and uh you know just having to print posters with different theaters at the bottom and having to you know get graphic design for that and it's so much work it's the hardest i've ever worked in my life i i haven't been sleeping since i found out i was going to the edinburgh fringe and then everything else kind of filled in and i just i i go to sleep and then i wake up in a terror that i'm going to get covid and have to cancel the whole thing and it's uh it's it's the hardest i've ever worked it's also the most excited and fulfilling experience I've had as an, a, an adult creative person, um, both doing the show, but also building it. And this is a masterclass that I've given myself. Most people have a producer, most people, you know, hire people. I don't have money like that. Um, and I, everybody keeps calling and asking for, for advice, how to do this, that, and that. I'm like, guys, give me till, you know, like October and then we'll sit down and I will give you everything I've learned on this like crash course masterclass of how to produce your own show and take it all over the world. And, um, it's, it's been amazing. And so I don't know what's next. I'm also open to what might come from this. Like, yeah, maybe I'll sign with a cool agent. Maybe you'll, somebody will say, Oh, we've been looking for somebody to play this kind of part and I'll get the audition. Cause they saw the show or whatever it is. I have no idea. So, um, yeah, I've taken my hands off the wheel in that sense, just trying to control what I can. Definitely. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. So if these, uh, if these, uh, listeners and viewers would like to, uh, find you on the internet or find any more about you, uh, what's the best way to track you down? 
Well, if you go to queenoffishtown.com, all my socials are there. My email, you can email me. Um, you can find my IMDb. You can watch my acting reel. You can watch the one minute trailer for, for Queen of Fishtown. The, yeah. So that's a good catch all. Um, if you, if you want to look me up, if you're still listening, have I set the record? Is this the longest? Yo, that's uh, my John podcast. It's not. Um, it's, it, okay, it, it's good. up there. It's up there, but it's not, it's not the longest. There's one. Um, and I, and I, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll request that people go find out which one themselves you'll have to dig through and figure it out i'm not going to give you the spoilers but there's one that that went um i wasn't paying attention and it went insanely long um uh and then um i just put it up i said hey this is what we did hey, whatever give it and a they'll listen. turn it off if they got it if they've had enough exactly know? exactly it's a podcast i listen I, i've listened to three hour podcasts before and a car ride and stuff like that like you know, the medium kind of allows it to kind of breathe and let you yeah, have these- my husband always has a podcast on he's in the shower there's a podcast he's cooking dinner there's a podcast it's like whatever he's doing there's a podcast so yeah I mean, it's just like a conversation, an interesting conversation that you tune in and you tune out and you're yeah and Hopefully. what's 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 the best thing about you know i made that joke that like i'm a, I'm a 40 a male in his 40s so i had to have a podcast but um you know uh one of the reasons i i started this podcast was i i saw this meme and it was the perfect joke um one of the best jokes i've seen written in, in a very long time and it was um listening to a pot or what is it I, I finally understand what it must feel like to be a ghost by listening to a podcast and knowing the answer to a question that the host can't figure out. <laughs> and it's just, it's so <laughs> profoundly astute. Yeah. And that's exactly. Yeah. So like, uh, I was like, Oh, I just have to have my own, I guess uh, to have these conversations. So I can be the person who can't think of what I wanted to say. <laughs> right. Right. No, that's great. I love it. Well, thank you so much for doing this and thank you so much for continuing to create and to put something out there and for, you know, giving a perfect showcase for the beautiful people who who live in our area, whose voice never gets out there. And if it does, it's some kind of, you know, cliche or or. Yeah, they like to put the spotlight on the on the baddies, you know, and it's like, exactly. come on, we're mostly exactly. good. So, so thank you so much. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to uh, impart? I just want to say thank you for a terrific conversation. If you're still listening to this, you're you're the best, man. <laughs> you're the best. Uh, yeah, um, this was this was so great. Thank you so much. How what a wonderful artist chat. <laughs> How fun was that? My thanks again to Katie Rose for joining me on the show today. You can see Katie Rose perform The Queen of Fishtown this weekend, July 21st through 24th at the Plays and Players Theater in Philadelphia. Tickets and links to the show's socials are available at www.queenoffishtown.com. And those links are also included in our show notes. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the Yo, That's My John podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And I know it's a lot to ask, but if you want to earn yourself a super awesome John Scout merit badge for citizenship of the world, you can do just that by rating and reviewing us. Don't forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com for articles, merchandise, and links to all of the previous episodes of this podcast. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to get all of the updates delivered straight to your inbox. 
Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yo that's my john for updates and live streams. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at yo that's my john and search yo that's my john on YouTube to find the yo that's my john YouTube channel. Like and subscribe the heck out of that ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out, reach out, and touch some John. All right, my friends, that is it for this week. Do not forget, we are back next week with an all-new episode when I am joined by the band Phantasm. It is a great chat, and you will not want to miss it. Blue skies. Until next time, everybody. Hey, yo, displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure. Your taste in music doesn't have to be... Yo, That's My John is a Lonely Monk production written and produced by yours truly, Nate Runkle. Theme song by Phil Tyler Music featuring Nate 3.0. Special thanks to Fox Run Brands, DX Ferris, Andrew Scott, Natalie Runkle, and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo that's my john at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. Until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout. To the world, yo, that's my John. <laughs>